Hello and welcome to the latest episode of First Time Dads. I'm Richard Innes. And I'm Steve Mile. Uh, and today we are joined by Dr. Anna Machin. Um, and I think probably the best way to describe your work, Anna, is to say that of all the things that Steve and I have witted on about for the last, what is it, 30 episodes? Yeah. Think, something like that. Um, basically, Anna is a qualified doctor who really knows a hell of a lot more about all of it than we do. So you, you have done a lot of work around... Welcome, Anna. Welcome, Hello. sorry. I'm, I'm so keen to get involved. <laughs> yeah. right, so welcome, thank you for coming because on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, Anna's got a book out, by the way, called Life of Dad, which gives you a clue. Yeah, the making of a modern, modern father. So hence, hence why, as soon as we saw this book, we thought, good Lord, we have to have the, the, this woman on our podcast, because... Clearly, um, everything that Steve and I have been talking about, all the episodes we've done, the various subjects we've covered, you kind of cover them all in this book. Yeah, what's the book about? Oh, massive question. The book is really about the science of being a father. So I, my background is, is as a scientist, and I, my first interest was un- trying to understand what happens to a man physiologically, neurally, biologically when he becomes a father. So mm-hmm. there's lots of science in it about um, how your hormones affect how you father, about where your brain changes to prepare you to parent, about um, your personality and psychology changing. Um, But there's also a lot about um, how fathers transition into the role of being a father. There's a lot about fatherhood health, and also about what you uniquely bring to your child's life, because one of the most exciting things I've discovered in the last 10 years is the fact that fathers have this unique input into their Mm, children's lives. Because conventional wisdom in inverted commas would be that mum it's a it's a physical transformation to become a mother you have uh, body changes your hormones change dad remains the same just has less just sleep. rattles along yeah less sleep and sort of like more demands on his time we're saying that this is that's just completely wrong and and the reason why I started 10 years ago is when I looked at the literature that was around on dads 10 years ago it was pretty much gave you the impression that actually dads were dispensable didn't really need them didn't really contribute anything weren't involved in child development didn't attach to their children very traditional go to work discipline type role and I'm an evolutionary anthropologist and what I know is that human fathers are really rare so we're one of only 5% of mammals who have this investing father and the only ape. And evolution doesn't cause a change like investing fathers to evolve unless there's a real critical survival role for that dad in his children's mm-hmm. lives. And so I just used that as my basis and went forward and went, okay, let's find out what that is. Evolution doesn't leave things to chance, so it must have prepared mm-hmm. men to father. And it has. You know, you are as prepared as a dad to parent as a mum is. No, you don't get it pregnancy or childbirth or breastfeeding, but there are other ways in which your hormones are triggered to parent and your brain is changed so that you can be the best you can be. So what are these physical changes? Because I think, in in an odd sort of way, I find it's very reassuring. Because I think... You say that I had a um, press release today telling me that new dads put on over a stone in weight in the first year of... uh, (laughs) Is that evolutionary? (laughs) I think that's probably more absolutely exhausting than eating a lot of sugar, yeah, I would have yeah. thought. There's a lot of that in my house where we say, should we cook dinner? Oh, let's that's just a curry. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, unfortunately we can't blame that one on evolution. <laughs> but it is, it is reassuring to know that, that actually there's some science and some physiology behind it. Because I do remember, and we've talked, about it, num- we've talked about it in a number of episodes, yeah. those first few weeks where particularly if, you, if your partner happens to be breastfeeding, as was the case with my wife, you do feel like a bit of a spare part and you think, what is my role in all this? And so to know that there's actually an evolutionary process underway and that actually my body has changed and that somehow I have changed and my role is defined in that sense, that yeah, really helps. We've spoken as well about 
wanting the protect, you know, protect and provide. Yeah. Your that's what you feel. Yeah. That's absolutely. one of your, your feelings. I wonder if that's a. Well, what I found out because as an anthropologist, I study fatherhood all around the world. Mm-hmm. So we don't just look at Western dads; we look at dads from lots of different cultures. And the overriding thing that underpins all of them, even though you all achieve your role as a dad in completely different ways, is that protection. Mm-hmm. So absolutely ensuring your child's survival. Provision is up there, but the other thing that's really key and where dads, one of the unique things dads bring to their children is teaching. And in particular, teaching that child in such a way that they can go out into the outside world as adults and thrive and be successful. So one of the unique things that fathers bring to their children is this um, challenging risk um, promoting behavior. You push the developmental boundaries because you need to teach that child resilience. And so your job as the father is, obviously you've got this lovely secure attachment like the mum has, so you are there Mm. to care and you are there to nurture, but on top of that, your job is to turn your child to the world and go, I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you how to go out into this world and be successful. Now you can always come back to me Mm. and be safe, but I'm here to challenge you. And that's particularly paternal. It's Yeah, particularly paternal. Because if you imagine in in the environment in which we evolved, no contraception. Mum was basically either pregnant or breastfeeding, surrounded by toddlers, mm. and she did not have time to teach that child everything they need to know to survive as a complex human being. We are so, you know, our brains are six times bigger than they need to be. So there's a lot to learn as a kid, mm. and because mum's tied up, one of the key roles dad has was to take that child really from preschool age, yep. when they start to go out into the social world, and say, right, I'm going to teach you the correct behaviours. I'm going to scaffold your language development I'm going to show you the skills you need Mm. I'm going to show you how to interact with people because these are the skills you need to survive so dads have this really key role at preschool so when your child two to three Mm. okay so so helping them go into the outside world two years and three months yeah well your role at this moment is critical right because you you are no pressure no pressure (laughs) no Steve just held his breath because you know when a child below that a child's in their family and they've yeah. got this quite cushioned existence because everybody kind of is a little bit indulgent mm-hmm. and then suddenly you go to preschool and that's not there anymore and you've mm. got to learn to get on with all these people and you've got to learn to inhibit difficult behaviors mm. and you've got to learn to you know share and do all these mm. things and dad is is the one we've seen in lots of studies that is the one that really promotes that and again at teenagehood he's also incredibly important for the same reason because the teenager is leaving the family so it's that Support in going into the big wide world. So what should I be doing then? Really, it's about making sure that attachment you have with your kid Mm -hmm. is really, really secure. So very nurturing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, very affectionate. Mm -hmm. But your job really is to start setting those those boundaries of okay, that behaviour is good, Mm -hmm. brilliant, well done. That (coughs) behaviour not acceptable and start to help your child to understand where the boundaries are to understand things like turn taking when little kids go into preschool for the first time the idea I have to share or turn take what what is that about Um, and it's really you and so just model those behaviours but also to to help the child understand that praise them for when they've done well and say you know actually yeah don't smack me around the head don't smack me around the head (laughs) exactly don't bite me daddy doesn't like that daddy doesn't like like, you know no scratching no biting no pushing no punching no kicking Exactly. Say in our house. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Every day. Well, by mouthful. doing that, you're actually helping your child's executive function okay. work. Your executive function is like a higher cognitive bit in your mm-hmm. brain, which is to do with understanding how to inhibit unhelpful behaviours, understanding about sharing and problem solving. Mm-hmm. And you as the dad, you're the one that really scaffolds the development of that bit of the brain. And kids who develop that well go on to be much more 
successful when they're older, but they also tend to be mentally healthier. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because we, we have a we have a running gag almost in my house that my wife is I mean she's very I mean she wants to wrap Ben up in you know a big <laughs> bit of cotton wool and she we joke regularly about how she doesn't want him to grow up you know she wants him to stay little she wants him to be all talking about cuddles and everything whereas I am constantly the one saying come on son we need you to walk and I'll be you know even when he's kind of oh, we'll sit down. come on come on stand up here we go come on let's let's and she's often joking about how I'm almost pushing him too hard and I'm like well I'm not I'm just trying to help him develop yeah and it's interesting that actually what you're saying, while we laugh about it at home, what you're saying yeah. there is that actually is the kind of evolutionary difference, yeah. I suppose. But because presumably the mother is all about caring and, and keeping holding yeah, the baby so close, whereas the father needs to be the one who is helping push the boy out or the girl into the world. Absolutely, because also evolution hates redundancy, so it's not going to cause two parents to evolve, a male and female parent, to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. What's the point of that? Mm-hmm. So you crucially do different things. And yeah, while the attachment between mum and child is very, I see it as very inward-looking, very exclusive. It's, yeah, they're in that hug mm-hmm. facing inwards. A dad has the hug, has the caring bit. You know, dads can definitely care and nurture, but it is that, that, that okay, I'm just going to push you away a little bit. I'm just going to say, you need to go and, and try and do that on your own. And it's absolutely crucial to the child that they get both of those. Do you have any pushback? And I'm, this is me sort of playing devil's advocate because I completely agree with what you're saying. But do you, have you had faced much pushback in the sense of people describing this as maybe reinforcing old-fashioned roles, etc.? Yeah. You know, the patriarchy, blah, 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 all the usual stuff. Be a man. Yeah, <laughs> be a man. Yes. Um, so from two areas. First of all, um, yes, I've been told that, you know, you're talking about the nuclear family and a man's a man's and one's a one. Actually, you know, if you read the book, you'll understand that when I refer to dad, first of all, I'm not necessarily referring to your biological, to the biological mm-hmm. parent. So around the world, we in the West sort of think that we privilege the biological dad that that's the best sort of dad actually if you go to other cultures around the world it's whoever's stepping up and doing the job to be Mm -hmm. frank so it can be uncles grandfathers you know brothers friends you know in south (coughs) africa black black children quite often have a whole team of dads Mm. that help out which are various members of the family Mm. and so it's whoever is there stepping up to play nothing to do with genetics first of all so I'm not talking about a nuclear family and uh, whether that be a, a homosexual nuclear family or a heterosexual nuclear family. So that's the first point to make. Um, and, you know, I've also had the kickback of, you know, so what does this say about single mothers where there's no dad? If you look at single mother families, quite often, if you broaden your scope and go, I'm not looking for the biological dad here, you will quite often find there is somebody there. Granddad or something. Yeah, a Granddad, brother, an uncle, brother, or whatever, yeah, uncle yeah, yeah. whoever it might be, who is doing yeah, that yeah. role. Yeah. Um, so I'm absolutely not saying this is this is going back to the old-fashioned view of, mm. of mum and dad having different roles. But they they have evolved yeah. to have these slightly different roles. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, know, complete, and, I completely agree. And, and, and that's important. Yeah. And do we change as men? Because presumably, prior to becoming dads, our requirements as men... If we if we go on go on this route, they're different to when we become dads because we don't have a kid, so we don't need to do this kind of like you know teaching and stuff. We're just like ourselves. We're like the alpha male. We're off doing our own thing. We don't really give it monkeys about anyone else, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And true. now we've become dads. We're altering. I, I mean, I've you know speaking from personal experience, I've definitely felt myself change in terms of my concerns I find it I find yeah. there's a, is an internal struggle going on because of that I find it I think is this really an easy transition sometimes I long for the you know quiet solitude of uh, pre-child I only long know, for that every 10 minutes now it's fine <laughs> yeah. oh, well done but, <laughs> it's getting better but 
I definitely have felt myself more, you know, you've spoken about it before, about how I took share parental leave and produced my working hours to four, for four days a week because I want to spend more time, because I want to be there for him, because I want to be, mm. you know, present in his life as much as possible. And I, I didn't see that coming. Mm. I don't think before I'm, mm. I mean some friends of mine might listen to this you've always been like that you was all you always been the one that did but I don't know whether that's true mm. um, so do we have I, have I changed you know what have physically I changed, changed physically you know changed. like my uh, chemical imbalance or balance yeah absolutely I mean becoming a father is one of the most radical changes you will experience physiologically, biologically, neurally in your life. So not just emotionally. It's bigger than puberty. It's, 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 a, it's a biggie. It's um, not just emotion. We're it's not just emotion. We're talking about actual physical stuff. So, yeah. So when you become a father for the first time, you were talking about that, that before you have a dad, you're kind of a little bit selfish. Mm. Men, the, the hormone that makes you a man, testosterone, is, is, is high. And that's there to make you kind of like a mating machine, to go out, find that mate, you know, that you're going to reproduce with. So it is very, you become, you're quite driven mm-hmm. by that. Now, when you become a father, testosterone starts to become a bit of a hindrance because actually you need to start focusing on your family mm. rather than outside the family. So what happens to every man when he becomes a father for the first time is his testosterone drops quite dramatically. Okay. And it never returns to what it was before you had a child. Okay. Never. So before everybody panics, <laughs> which when I say this to that, they look, oh, um, the advantage of that is several fold. The lower your testosterone, the more sensitive a father you are. Mm-hmm. So the more able you are to empathise with your child and, and read their emotions and understand what they mm-hmm. need. So you're much more responsive. So that's good for your kid. Secondly, testos- drop testosterone increases the dopamine and oxytocin hit you get in your brain yeah. when you interact with your child. Yeah. So first of all, you get a bigger reward because dopamine is a reward chemical for interacting with a child, which yeah. makes you feel great and happy and lovely. Mm. Uh, but oxytocin is a bonding the chemical. Love, the love drug. So you're getting a massive increased total of oxytocin. So that's really helping to secure that bond. Mm. So that's the first thing that happens. And it happens universally across the world. Tests have been done on fathers from so many different countries. Happens every time. So for those of people that are listening who don't know what oxytocin is, who haven't done their NCT, uh, <laughs> <laughs> come through dads, Basically, oxytocin, in short, is, is that kind of like warm feeling you get when you're close to someone that you, you love. That when you have, you know, get a cuddle off someone, you get kind of like a, a sort of a, like a little hazy feeling coming. And it's basically that. Isn't it? it's, it's basically a hormone which essentially produces breast milk, right? Or makes breast milk impossible. It's what starts labour in women. It's what starts labour and it's what produces breast milk, which is actually why women get a little bit of a head start on the bonding front. Mm. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that you mm. felt a little bit excluded in those first weeks of, uh, I'm not quite sure where I go in here. Um, she's had a head start because she's oxytocin and beta endorphin that yeah. are released when you when you give birth are majorly powerful bonding chemicals. So she's got a head start with that baby. Yeah. The way men get that bond developing is by interaction. And that's why it's a little bit tricky in the first weeks because the baby's not really doing anything. And if your partner's breastfeeding, you really don't get a look in. See, I had a, I, I've been told many, many times, because I remember having this conversation with friends, family, etc., guys who've all had kids, and the, uh, the, what you hear a lot of is, oh, you know, well, once a baby's a bit older, then, then, then that's when you can come in and, you know, start doing things. And the first six months are really all about the mum and everything. And I know neither Steve nor myself have ever really bought into that, because I've always assumed, well, hang on a minute, if I'm here, <laughs> I'm the kid's father, <laughs> surely there is something. So even, is it, it, are there things that dad should be doing to work on that bond in the first six months? Is it as simple as just regular cuddles with a baby, even Absolutely. if the baby's not giving well, you anything yeah. back? Yeah. Skin to skin, yeah. isn't it? Off the, straight off the bat, as soon as the yeah. baby's in, shirt off. Yeah. You yeah. Know, oh, I had that, yes. It's so powerful, but sometimes, just to sort of warn your listeners, you have to ask explicitly yeah. after the birth, ask for it to happen, because yeah. 
you know, love the NHS in so many different ways. Midwives very, very busy. Sometimes they don't feel they have time for that. So you have to be quite demanding and say, yeah. I want skin to skin as well as my partner. So that first thing, amazing. For a start, it lets the baby smell you. Mm-hmm. And babies are like little, little tiny mammals. They can't see very well and they will start to bond with you through smell. So they smell you. But also you get that lovely oxytocin hit because you're skin to skin. Yeah. Um, so really, really important. Prenatal bonding is really important. We're finding that men who start to work towards an attachment before birth attach much more quickly and much more strongly after birth. Mm. So we're now starting to say, I know it's really feel, it makes you feel like an absolute idiot, but you do need to talk to the bump and you do yeah. need to sing to the bump. You know, anything, read it, the sense. football results, it doesn't matter what you do, but it needs to hear your voice. because. And there is scientific evidence that that will help you bond with your child. Help. We know that that helps bonding. Um, if you can, you know, touch the bump and get that you know, physical feedback mm. from the baby, brilliant. The other thing is spend a little time in your imagination. Start imagining who, who this baby's going to be. Who's it going to be? What are your ambitions for what you're going to do together? Mm. How do you want to be as a dad? All of these things we know have an absolute significant link to the bond you will feel after that baby mm. is born. So that's something you can do before the baby's born. But in those first six months, yeah, where you don't get a hell of a lot back, it is about the skin to skin. It's still about talking to the baby, singing to the baby, you know, doing, you know, tiny little bits mm. of play, so tickling the baby, you know, all those sorts of, baby massage is brilliant, mm-hmm. really good. Love the feet. Yeah, because you <laughs> will get, you will both get a really nice neurochemical bonding reward yeah. from that. So all those things, and then in a way your family are right, at six months something does happen, and one of the big things that happens is your baby, first of all, is starting to that two-way communication, you have those lovely cooing conversations mm-hmm. together, but you can start playing. Yeah proper rough and tumble playing and that's absolutely key to a father's bond because we're quite a time poor society particularly dads if they're going out to work still um you need to as quickly as possible build this bond and because you've got to do it by interaction play, rough and tumble plays brilliant because it's really really quick it's breathless it can sometimes can be a little bit painful it's risky so you're starting to push the boundaries mm. you're all laughing like mad all of that releases beta endorphin, which is the absolute king of bonding chemicals. So, you know, when, when it annoys me when dads are called the fun parent. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, play is absolutely integral to the bond you're building. So the so fact that you get through just... the front door, you pick the baby up and you kind of, hello, you know, aeroplane around the room, yeah, yeah. you tickle it like mad, you know, mum's going, you're going to make it sick, you know. Yeah. Um, I think I had that exact, yeah. like almost exactly the way you <laughs> just described it, that was me last that night. That is absolutely critical. It's just, that is dinner, you're going to make it yeah, sick, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's absolutely critical, and that is a brilliant way of bonding with your kid. So actually, yeah, you do need to, you do need to be flinging them about and checking them around. Yeah. And, yeah, because also that, so that so again, and I keep coming back to the science of it because obviously you you have the knowledge here, so <laughs> use of it. So actually, rather than coming in and sitting on the sofa and having a nice quiet cuddle, mm. it is actually more beneficial to your child to come in and chuck him in the air yeah. and run him around yeah. and hang him upside down yeah. and all the rest of it. Absolutely, and carry on doing it throughout his life. So carry on mm. being that mm. person who you know. I've got a zip wire in my in my garden, which my children go on, which absolutely terrifies me because yeah. it goes a good twenty feet in the air. But my husband's on there constantly whizzing them backwards and forwards, you know. And every now and then they fall off, and everyone goes ah. Yeah. But that's his role. He's he is again challenging mm. them, having a great time at the same time. So they're both getting these amazing beach endorphin hits from it. They're bonding like yeah. mad, but also at the same time he's challenging that boundary and going, "Come on, you can do it." I think this this comes back a little bit to the perception of fathers in the modern world. Mm which we were talking about just before we started recording, and the idea that 
obviously, what you're describing there is when dad is, you know, in inverted commas, prattling about with his kids and making them sick and acting like a bit of a clown, actually he's really contributing to their development mm. and their progression. And I think a lot of that comes back to it, doesn't it? That the dad is seen as a bit of a bit of an idiot. You know, anyone who's ever watched, I know you don't watch Peppa Pig, Steve, but good God, I've already watched a lot of Peppa Pig. And you know, daddy pig acting like a buffoon. I'm, I'm getting so sick and tired of it. And the, you, you look at any family sitcom, and daddy's a bit of a prat and he's kind of the one who sort of the kids laugh at and mummy rolls her eyes yeah, and oh dad, god he's either a prat or he's this austere dominating yeah, yeah. domestic violence you know yeah yeah terrifying it's one, yeah, one extreme or the other yeah, isn't it whereas, whereas I and I don't recognise myself in any when, when I look across the media landscape in films and TV I don't recognise myself really in any of the dads I see um, and I, I'm sure you'd probably feel the same no. too and I it it does make me wonder where does this come from and how do we correct this perception? I think it comes partly from the fact that we know until sort of writing this book and the research that's happened, we ten years ago we knew nothing about fathers. Because they were seen to be not particularly important. And um, so I think the perceptions partly come from that. When I looked at the literature ten years ago, it was basically all about and it is true, but the negative impact an absent father can have on a child. And that's mm. really critical and important mm. work. But when I was reading it, I was thinking, well, these aren't the fathers I know. Mm. And there was nothing about the, luckily, vast majority of fathers who stick around, do a good job, mm. you know, care for their children, invest in their children, all these different things. And that is why I did my work. Because I thought, we need to rebalance these scales mm. here. Yeah. Mm. Because dad is not who we think he is. Dad is someone entirely different. He's, you know, the person that we all know. And I wanted to understand, and I wanted fathers who were like that to have a voice. So you hear a lot of voices in the book from from fathers but also to understand yes let's really understand what happens to this guy you know physiologically neurally mentally but also what he contributes to his child and our society because our society has the i strongly believe the wrong attitude to fathers mm. um they are as equal a player i think in our society in our society as mums are and as vital to their children as mums are and i think we just need to change the conversation we're having because it's not the reality and yeah. I think if most people stop and think and they look at the fathers and they know in their life, it's not the reality. No, no, it's very true. I mean, I suppose everyone's different, and we're, I mean, we're you know, we've often described ourselves as the London liberal metropolitan elite. Would <laughs> you use the word elite? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put ourselves in the elite category. In big fat inverted commas. Just, just to, just to return to the uh, testosterone. Mm. We're not going to return to our testosterone. It doesn't matter because our jobs have dif- changed. Our jobs have changed. Mm. Um, what what else are we, are we going to happen? Yeah, what else has changed for us? Okay, the other, next thing that's changed is your brain structure has actually okay. changed. So we know that women undergo a structural change when yeah. they come along. But we what, happens, also, what happens with women? Well, exactly the same. It happens with men actually. Okay. So what happens is you get an increase in grey and white matter okay. in the very core of your brain, mm-hmm. the ancient emotional bit, and that's where nurturing <coughs> and affection is. So it's it's priming you it's making you much better more efficient at, at caring and nurturing the center but also a parts of your neocortex so that's the outer bit of the brain the conscious bit of the brain where all your intelligence is the bits relating to empathy and to emotional recognition are there now empathy is about understanding what someone needs mm-hmm. and you need to be able to understand what your baby needs uh, and so that bit of your brain is also increasing in size so it's becoming again better equipped to recognise what your baby needs mm-hmm. and then to go and meet those needs. So exactly the same brain changes as happens in mums happens in dads. So mums, 
it's this idea that mums are instinctive at parenting. Mums are no more instinctive than dads are. There's a bit of parenting that's instinctive. And then all of us who are parents know there's a massive bit which you have to learn. Mm. Um, but mum and dad are starting from a level playing field. So, to again, to use the devil's advocate <laughs> position, dads don't know this information. No. So you could easily, if you were so inclined, dad... Just look at what you see, which is the breastfeeding bond, the fact that predominantly the mum is at home with the child and you're off at work, and think, well, that's how it should be. In a way, we're saying that with the information we've now got, Dazzy to, to, to fight for mm. their time, to push mm. themselves into mm. that environment because you're valuable. You've got valuable skill set. Your body's changed. Mm. Your brain structure's changed. Mm. Your, your, the, the, the levels of your hormones and stuff have changed. You're, you're in, you just need a bit of an encouraging mm. shove. Mm. And we're saying that society is not, hasn't historically given men that historical shove. And from what we just said about TV shows and stuff and popular culture and, and those, uh, those cycles, we're still not doing that. We're still not we're still not making it possible yeah. for men to, to get into that. They're not being encouraged. Yeah. So we need to spread the word, Rich. Well, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. you, and you do. And things like this, and, you know, podcasts are brilliant. You know, discussion groups online are brilliant. You know, obviously selling my book here. But, yeah. um, but <laughs> available from Amazon available now. From Amazon. <laughs> um, no, but the, one, of the re- one of the really strong reasons I wrote the book is I want to get this research out there because mm. I hope it will empower men to go, do you know what? Shove mm. over on the pedestal while mm. I'm getting up there with you. You know, mm. we are both yeah. equally as important and, and I want you to feel empowered and also all the things associated with that, such as shared parental leave, such as, which at the moment I don't think is fit for purpose. No. Um, so all these things are saying, actually, it's absolutely critical to our society that yeah. fathers are empowered to do this because, you know, the environment that the mum and dad create mm. is the environment in which that child develops and from which that child will go out into the world, into mm. the world and become a member of society. Mm. And it, it, it benefits all of us mm-hmm. if that child gets the best developmental environment they can. And mm. that means we need to help, we need to support fathers, empower them mm-hmm. to actually go to work and say, okay, this shared parental leave, you know, what are you going to do about it? Um, you know, who's going to financially support it? Because the problem is at the moment it's not. Um, mm. So a lot of fathers can't take it. And actually we need to put our campaigning hats on a little bit, which is what I spend a lot of my time doing, and saying this is the evidence, mm. this is the child development evidence. Yeah. And particularly, for example, fathers are critical in protecting their children from mental ill health yeah. because they have this role in preparing the child to go out into the world yeah. and a lot of mental health conditions are about anxiety or stressors mm-hmm. from the outside world fathers have this particular unique role mm-hmm. in underpinning their children's self-esteem and in underpinning <coughs> that healthiness and god don't we as a society need mm-hmm. that right now we've got a teenage so mental that, health crisis is that more mm-hmm. so than than from the mother as well yeah. so it, specifically on a child's mental health your research would suggest that the father's role the father yeah. plays a bigger role in that yeah. than the mother yeah that's amazing. Yeah. Particularly, for example, an adolescent child uh, gets more positive self-esteem from how important they feel to their father mm. than how important they feel to their mother. For some reason, in adolescence, children really use their father as a barometer for how important they are. And is this where you know teenage delinquency, that 
tying comes with absentee fathers or is it too it's too difficult there's a lot there's a lot of inputs that go into that sort of antisocial behavior and so it's difficult to say it's it's necessarily to do with the lack of fathers because sometimes you will see that a father's there so there's a lot of socioeconomic and there's exactly there's a lot of psychological stuff there so you can't necessarily say that but i just think it's what I really want to say to dads, and it's, it's, it's countering that idea 10 years ago that they had no input into their children, which is just a laughable mm. thing to, mm. to conclude uh, on no evidence, um, is that you do have this really, really key role. And I, so people say to me sometimes, what's the one thing you would say to fathers? And it's just very simple. You are meant. You are meant. You mm. have been prepared to do this. Yeah. Do you know the so, thing? You know, the, the thing I like. I, th- I think the thing I appreciate most about your theory, and the thing that really appeals to me about it, is that what we are saying is that mothers and fathers should be given an, an equal kind of standing within parenting. You know, that fathers are just as, as you said, intended to be parents as mothers. But what we're not saying, which is what often ends up happening, is that we should all be this one homogenous type of parent. No. And actually, what you're highlighting, emphasising, is the need for fathers to be completely different yeah, to mothers. The you know. Whether, however you name those roles, but the point being that actually if a child has two very different parents playing two very different roles, mm. that is to their benefit. Mm. Completely. Because yeah. just from a point of view of you learn to deal with two different personalities, yeah. two different ways of interaction. I mean, surely that's better than an amorphous whole parent sort of blob who doesn't... Yeah. Well, I'm going to certainly repeat this back to my wife. <laughs> we're having a debate about who's right about what we're... It's, there's not a right. We're there's both right. right. It's important for us both. Yeah. When he's with me, but gets treated in one way I and mean, when it's with you it gets treated in another way my wife and I are kind of like chalk and cheese you know that's, yeah. I think that's what makes us a good married couple is that we are I mean it's been said to us many times we're like polar opposites you know I'm quite loud and the rest of it and mm. she's quite quiet and considered and um Sometimes I have wondered to myself, is this, you know, sort mm. of confu- is this going to be confusing for Ben? These are two very different parents, and actually, from what you're right. saying, it's probably going to help him. You're, you're preparing him. You're preparing him for difference. Mm. You know, the world is. We're all different. Mm. You know, and actually, you need to prepare a child for that, and not protect them from from what is the reality of the world. And yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, they're two distinct roles. And when I when I talk to my dads, um, particularly the ones who are either stay-at-home fathers or they're co-parenting exactly or sharing it. Um, you know, they're not male mothers. Yeah. When they nurture, when they're at home, you know, you know, pureeing up the apple and all that kind of thing, they're not doing it as a male mother, they're doing it as a dad. Yeah. They're doing it the way a dad would do it. And, you know, that's, that's absolutely fine because they're bringing a different facet to that. You know, and I've worked with gay fathers as well, so we've got two dads. Mm. And the great joy for them, after all the hurdles many of them have had to go through to become parents, is their roles are not tied by gender. Mm. So I remember talking to one of my dads who said, it's brilliant, we just do what we're good at, we do what we enjoy, mm. and we do it very differently. Mm. Do you find in your, in your experience at gay couples with kids that the, the, the guys will kind of naturally take on two very different roles? Do you find that there's a more, that often one guy will go with the more maternal side and one guy will become more paternal? It really naturally? depends on the personalities yeah. of, the, of the guys in the couple. So, so some couples, yeah, and you'll get, you know, there are quotes in there in the book saying, um, you know, I'm definitely the mum. I'm the big huggy, nurturing, come here, I'll smother you and kiss this time. Um, and then the other, and then the other dad is definitely actually more in a more traditional provider role. But then no, you'll get the ones who say not doing it by gender. I'm not a mum. You know, he's dad, I'm daddy, and we mix it up. It's mixed up. We both do, you know, the bits that we're good at. And do you get um, examples of men and women where the mum is the dad and the dad is the mum. <laughs> <Where> the <laughs> mum has a different yeah. like bonding experience 
oh. with the child. I, it's hard for me to say because do you know what? I never talk to mums. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you are in that situation, <laughs> please do get in touch with uh, first time dads at reachplc.com. We'd like to hear any examples of, um, of what we've been talking about um, yeah. and also your views. People have been emailing us with, with various. Um, various conversations that they're, they're having at home and it is useful to hear. It's really interesting to see yeah, how, how people are taking a lot of the information we, we're putting across in the podcast and hopefully how it's being helpful and useful. I suppose you, you say you only talk to dads. Mm. That is, I mean, that's, that's the joy of this, I mm. suppose, is that there is so much information and so much research and so much stuff out there about mums and mums' experiences and how mums, how parenthood changes, changes a woman, etc., etc. There's, there's not as much about if, dads. I mean, that's part of why Steve and I do this podcast yeah. is because there's not, there's not that much information out there for dads. No, is there isn't. And again, that's one of the reasons behind the book. When I was, you know, submitting uh, all, all my uh, poor, poor dads to sort of blood tests and things like that, a lot of them, what really, what a lot of them said was, you know, you are gonna, you are gonna write this down so everybody knows about it, aren't you? Mm. Because there's nothing out there. There's mm. nothing for me. There's nothing that helps prepare me for what's going to mm. happen next. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely critical. And one of the reasons I only talk to dads is. In the past, if dads have been included in studies, it's only through the mum. So they've actually asked the mum how the dad parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, why would you do that? Why don't you just, he can talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So. You get it, appointments, don't you, where you go in for an appointment and you're not you're not spoken to. It's all no. directed, doctor directs yeah. to, yeah. to mum and you're yeah. like sort of sat there. Yeah. I am here as well. Or yeah. you take a child for a doctor's appointment, like a, a regular checkup or whatever. And they're like, I was... You know, I'm, I'm not around today, and it's yeah, all that I, I stuff. Am yeah. a, I am a human being. Um, there's a there's a feature in one of the uh, uh, magazines in London, which is called "If You Were Mayor for the Day, What Would You Do?" Now, uh, put you on the spot. If you were in if you're in charge, mm. what can we do to help dads? If you're in charge, and you know, you mentioned you kind of don't think shared parental leave is quite right, and we had Joe Swinson on the podcast who obviously helped bring it in, and she sort of agreed and said mm. it's like the first first draft it needs tweaking it doesn't quite work and I sort of tend to agree with that having had conversations but you know what else would you say that we need to do apart from shared parental leave I would try and put in place support that works for dads so not take wholesale things that you use for mums and just go oh we'll just give that to dad because dads are very different beings and they have very different lives so first of all I would try and put in place yeah that kind of support I know as Mary London you don't get to direct midwives and health visitors, yeah, but let's pretend you do. Let's pretend you are the president of the United States. I would say, please, it's not a mum having a baby, it's a couple having mm. a baby. And please include dad as an equal player in pregnancy, in birth, in that mm. post-birth period. Acknowledge he's in the room, turn to him, ask him how he is. Say, have you got any questions or do you have any concerns? You know, how would you like the birth yeah. to go? You know, he's there and he's absolutely critical. So let's recognise mm. that. And the other thing I would really like to do, yeah, is is to change this conversation and start saying, quite often I get told that there's not enough resources out there to support mums as well as dads. I get we're in a time of austerity and the money is, you know, very, very tight. But there's no limit on our personal empathy. Yeah. And there's no limit on our personal abilities to change. And I think we need to do that. And we need to start, start as, as a society including dad as a co-parent not as the back carrier not as the secondary parent in the background but as someone who's equal I, I, I agree because the knock-on effect is that you help mum well yeah. completely and that's you know with the shared parental leave thing if we get shared parental leave right mm-hmm. we've seen in other countries that first of all it starts to rebalance domesticity yeah. in terms of work in the in the home mm-hmm. it uh, <laughs> reduces the penalty on mums of their career 
mm-hmm. in terms of taking time out for children because they can go back earlier. Um, it closes the gender pay gap because the bit of it that's to do with the fact that women have had time out closes. But also it crosses generations. If, if you've got a son and your son sees you mm. in the home being an involved father, we know it crosses generations. Well, that's what Steve that's how you change culture. Steve took shared parental leave here. Yeah. So, and, uh, and you're changing and the culture. I think that's, you know, Jackson sees you at home cooking on a regular basis yeah. and mummy going off to work. And I, th- I, I imagine that can only, only benefit. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know, I do the four day week. And so Jackson sees me more, admittedly, Zoe's on maternity um, leave at the moment. But prior to that, I was with him more mm. than, than mum was. And I don't think that's damaging to, to anybody. No. You know, no, absolutely not. But that's the model he's now seen. He's actually yeah. seen both his parents stepping up and being being that mm. parenting team. Mm. Brilliant. Mm. That's mm. the norm. For Do you him. know what? Just to go back to your your kind of fantasy list, there, <laughs> I'm kind of glad that you referenced all the different ways it could help in terms of reducing gender pay gaps mm. and, and you know aiding kind of more balanced domesticity at home and all these things. Because one thing I find sometimes a tad uncomfortable, and we kind of veer towards it in a lot of the conversations we have on this podcast. As a, um, as a white middle-class man, I find it very uncomfortable to kind of make out that I'm somehow kind of, uh, what's the word, I wouldn't call it an oppressed minority, but you know, somehow mm. that we, we haven't got mm. a fair shake at it. Mm. Because as a white middle-class man, <laughs> clearly I have. You do pretty well, um, yeah. So I do, find, I do sometimes find it quite difficult, because I'd never want to be one of those guys, and there are plenty of them I, I know out there in the, uh, in the social media space in particular, who go, oh, men are, men are getting, uh, aren't getting a fair shake at it, and all this, which is clearly nonsense. Mm. Um, so it, it's, I find it quite a delicate balancing act, because I agree with everything we've said here mm. about fathers do need to be given mm. that, that mm. same priority as mothers, but then it becomes very difficult when yeah. you start talking about men getting the same priority yeah. as women. Do you I, see what I mean? In yeah. terms of, I think it's a guys, guys of, are often to blame for cherry picking the bits that they want, yeah, and not realizing that actually it's not about you; mm. it's about your child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it's revolves yeah. around. I think and I've struggled with that on, yeah. on occasion. If I'm brutally honest with myself, I think I, there, there have been times where I've. I've not been th- when I've been thinking about well I should be getting you know I should be getting involved in this conversation mm, or I mm, should have a say mm, in this mm. and actually it, is that because I think it'd be better for Ben or because mm. it'd be better for me for you yeah make me feel better yeah um, and I think that's always a good mm. that's always a kind of good little checkpoint in your head isn't mm. it who who am I making this argument for yeah, exactly. um, is it just because I feel left out or is it because I feel I can actually yeah. contribute I mean I get I get the kickback quite a lot with my work um, so either all these men need to stop whining and pull themselves together or I get um, told by um, you know some some women commentators that you know why am I focusing on fathers when women see, need so much support and it, it saddens me and it is you know it's a reality but th- that there's this competitive edge between yeah, dads it has and to mums. be an either or why does it have yeah, to be an either yeah, or yeah. I don't you know I, I get that on the financial front at the mm. moment I get that but but why, as I said, in our society, in the way we view things, why does it have to be an either or? Mm. Because actually, forget what's good for dad, as you said, but let's just look at what's good for the child and look at what's good for our society. Yeah. Actually, it's much better. And as you said, and involved. as you on the points you listed, yeah. you know, that, that hasn't it was going to have a positive impact. Yeah, from a on feminist point of view, yeah, you yeah. know, for Christ's sake, I'm I'm a female academic, yeah. you know, I'm a feminist. But from a feminist point of view, it benefits us mm. if fathers are more involved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. <laughs> that <laughs> seems quite a, quite a nice, nice way to uh, to round to things wrap up. it up. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, established there that uh, you know things are never the same after you have children, um, but there's it, lots of positives. 
Yeah, it's well, hopefully it's a good thing, yeah. yeah. I, I probably had way too much testosterone in the first place anyway. That's why. I, <laughs> given the way I behaved in my 20s, I think, it's probably, it's probably plenty of evidence that I'm better off with less testosterone, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I, fe- I, I, mean, I feel a lot happier now than I did in my 20s, and so yeah. I suppose that's, well, that's, that's probably partly down to these great evolutionary changes we've, we've discussed. Um, and I thank you very much indeed for coming in. It's been, re- been really, really interesting. And stuff there that I had no idea. Like, I would never have known otherwise. Rich, we get these guests in, that's always what we're trying to achieve. <laughs> it would be a pretty boring podcast if people came in and told us stuff that we already knew, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> so now, this is worth not... Like, remind us of what Anna's Remind us of the book. The Life of Dad, The Making of the Modern Father by Dr. Anna Machen. Um, highly recommended. So, yeah, if, you've, if you found any of this interesting, get yourself on Amazon and um, make sure you get a copy. Thanks very much. Lovely. Thanks Thanks for coming in again, and um, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers.